There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is a thought leadership series that enlightens and inspires listeners with insights from distinguished business leaders and subject matter experts. Here on Working on Purpose, we're committed to realizing a world where work is enriching and a purposeful part of life. Leaders inspire people to realize their own greatness while contributing their passion, and business is elevated to unleashing spectacular cause in the world. Each week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something that changes the way you think and that you can meet put to use. Much of the content we discuss on this program is a reflection of the work I do. So as you listen, if you catch a glimpse of anything I can do to help, go to my website at elisecortez.com and use the contact me feature to message me. Let's talk about what's going on for you and how I might be able to help. At any rate, I'm glad we're connected and thanks for listening. Now on to this week's program. With us today is Christian Kromey. He's an international thought leader, ins- inspiring keynote speaker, TEDx speaker, futurist, and team human. He's the author of the book called Humanification, Go Digital, Stay Human. We'll be talking about his book and just what he's learned about where he believes we're headed in the future as a human species interacting with technology. He joins us today from the Netherlands. Christian, welcome to Working on Purpose. Hi, Ellis. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. I'm so grateful that uh, we found each other on LinkedIn. And and when I when I looked at what you were doing and I read your book, of course, you know, I had to have you on the show and share with our listeners because I think your message is critical, especially now. Absolutely. Yes, I think so. <laughs> so let's kick it off for, for our listeners here. Um, as I always do, I have a conversation with my guests ahead of time so we can plan what we're going to talk about. And you said in that conversation that you think technology and the technological disruption technology is demanding from us will make us more human. Will you say more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, What I really see happening in the next few years by robotics and artificial intelligence is that many jobs, many skills will be automated. And um, yeah, if your job is automated, then you start to ask yourself, okay, why is it that I'm here? What is my purpose? Why I'm here? How can I um, contribute to society? And where more and more jobs and tasks will be automated, more and more people will start to ask that question. And I think this will start or ignite a journey uh, to our inside world. And I think that's in that in that way, technology is pushing us to go to move towards our inner world. And that's happening for a while now, but now with increasing technology, which is evolving exponentially fast, this process is speeding up rapidly. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that, and, and and we're going to talk more about what those skills will entail or elicit for us in, in the workplace. But before we get there, I think it's really important that our listeners just really understand a major catalyst for your own journey, and that was how you dealt with your daughter. Is it Likey? Do you say her name, Likey? Lika is pronounced. Lika. Yeah. Lika. Lika's illness early in her life and how that led you to the discoveries that you write about in your book. Will you say a little bit about that story? Yeah, sure. When she was three months old, we discovered that she had some severe health problems. So we went to hospital and they told us she needs heart surgery right away to save her life. Um, but during that surgery, everything that wrong that could go wrong. Her body was not responding to the medication and to the uh, to the med- uh, procedures. So they managed to get her heart of the, of the heart lung machine. And the later that day, we heard that she uh, had a terminal diagnosis because her heart problems were caused by a rare genetic disorder. And this disorder was so rare that there were only three or four people in the entire world with that same disorder. And they all died within a couple of months. So based on these uh, literature studies, they they uh, gave our daughter a terminal diagnosis. So we, of course, we didn't accept that diagnosis. We did a second opinion, third opinion, and we started to do our own research. And what you see, what is happening in hospitals is that doctors are looking at a specific organ or specific tissue. They're highly um, specialized in a specific topic or part of the body. And what I start to do is to look more holistically. And if you do that, if you look more holistic way towards the, bo- the human body and towards health, then you see that the body is a community of over trillions of cells working together in harmony, uh, playing one big symphony. And if you look in that way towards cells, then... Um, you say, oh, wow, that's really amazing how they solve problems and how uh, good they are at managing these huge amount of numbers of cells. And during my research, I discovered something that's 
com- uh, completely changed my perception of technology, of society. Um, what I discovered is that cells, living cells, the building blocks of our human body, are, are having the same kind of behaviors and needs as human beings. And within groups, these cells solve problems in the same way as human beings do. And basically, this led us to uh, a new kind of therapy that saved our daughter's life. Today, she's nine years old and she's doing great. She's going to school. She's doing yoga, all these things. So she completely cured. But it also gave me insights um, about how our society evolves, how organizations evolve, and how human beings are evolving. And this is basically... um, a huge turning point in my life. I went from an entrepreneur work, working 80 hours a week towards uh, a speaker, an author, writing about his passion. And this passion is sharing this insight uh, with the rest of the world. And that's basically what I'm doing right now. Mm. And and that's how you came up with this amazing word that I find so compelling, humanification. Yes? Yes, yes, that's sure. Yeah, humanification is basically a term that I came up with myself. Um, it's becoming more human uh, as an individual, but also as an organization, uh, make your processes, your technologies more human, but also the society. How can we create a more human healthcare system, a more human educational system, and a more human-focused government system? Um, So basically, it's about a triad, about technology, um, biology, and humanity, and how they collaborate with each other, and how they evolve in a very specific way. And this way can help us to predict where things are going in the next 10, 20 or 40 years. One of one of the many things I found so compelling about your keynote that I watched, and it was just beyond excellent, Christian, and then reading your book, of course, too, what I appreciate so much about it, and I told you in the email I sent you, is it really gave me insight into where I am in the world with regard to my business and my message because of the way you laid out your the waves that you talk about. So for our listeners, will you first situate, you talk about there's seven biological waves, and they map over to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Will you do that for us today? Yeah, sure. Um, Basically, when I discovered that cells have many things in common with human beings, I started to look more into how cells uh, solve problems uh, in groups, in communities. So if you look at a cell, it has the same kind of behavior. It multiplies, um, it it has uh, social behavior, they communicate with each other, and they grow in communities, small communities, in tissues and all these things. And what I start to do is look back in history, uh, about one billion years. And what I discovered is that these cells used biological tissue, biological systems to develop organisms. And they went through seven big disruptive waves. And each wave uh, created a new kind of species, a new kingdom of species. And the seventh wave is all about creation of human beings. So the first wave was about multicellular uh, organisms. So cells start to communicate with each other and they start to uh, create stone-like structures like coral. Um, this keep them safe from the environment, but it also help them to um, gather uh, or filter food from the environment more efficiently. And that made them grow faster. So in the second wave, it's all about infrastructure. So cells start to develop a vascular system, uh, organs, digestive systems to transform the raw material from the outside world into nutrition and energy for the inside world. Um, Therefore, they grew even faster and there was another need and it was information. So in the third wave, they just started to develop uh, the nervous system and uh, senses, for example, to become more aware of the environment. So they increased their survival rate in that way. Um, The fourth wave was about um, instinct. Uh, There was so much information flowing over these nerve systems that they needed some kind of automation. So they start to develop the uh, reptile brain, which is basically the operating system of of the body. And this helped them to automate all the internal processes in the body, all the biological processes, millions of millions a day. Um, and that brings us to the fifth wave, which was all about the limbic brain or the social brain or the mammal brain, which helped us to remember uh, things, locations, food, uh, but also dangerous locations. But it helped us uh, also to remember and recognize counterparts or other uh, creatures, organisms. So we start to live more in hurdles and groups. Um, The sixth wave was about the neocortex brain, and the neocortex brain helped us to learn and adapt in real time, so we can stand up straight, keep balance, but also helped us to develop tools like weapons and make fire. And the last biological upgrade, the seventh wave, was out the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex helps us to develop language, complex language, like we have today, but also to visualize things and to understand conceptual things. And basically, many people think uh, that evolution stopped here with the human being. 
But I noticed that evolution went on, but on a much bigger scale at a much higher pace uh, and speed. And what I discovered is that um, human beings using technology in organizations go through the same waves as the cells using biology in organisms. So the first wave uh, was all about the uh, technological wave. It's all about the agricultural revolution. So people start to uh, gather in groups, bigger groups. We start to develop stone-like structures, little villages um, with walls that keep us safe from the environment. But we also start to filter food from the environment. Um, and that made our communities grow even faster. So then we entered the seventh wa second wave, which was all about uh, infrastructure. And that was the Industrial Revolution, about 1600, 1700. So we start to develop uh, industries, uh, but also uh, the vascular system of our society, the oil pipelines, the railroads, and finally the energy grid as we know it today. And when we um, developed electricity, we noticed that you can send messages from one side of the country to the other side. So this sparked the telecom revolution. So we start to develop the telegraph, the radio, the television. We start to develop sensors like the, the microphone and the camera. And basically this network, this nervous system on, on our society and uh, on our globe helped us to become aware of what's happening on the other side of the world. It reconnected our humanity. Um, but at a certain level, there was so much information flowing over this nervous system, we start to uh, have the need to automate things. So in the 1950s and 60s, companies like IBM started to develop computers, microprocessors and operating systems and softwares, which is basically the reptile brain of our society. It automates all the internal processes within our organizations. And then um, that spare sparked the, the fifth wave, which was about um, the social media revolution. So in 1995, when the internet became more mature, uh, people started to upload all kinds of information, textual information, videos, photos. Uh, basically, is this the limbic brain or the social brain that stores all kinds of relational information, short-term information. And with big data and analytics tools, we can learn from that and we can adjust our behavior on a global scale. And today we have entered the sixth wave, which is basically uh, uh, like the neocortex is AI in the cloud. It helps us to learn and adapt in real time and to develop all kinds of tools, which can help us in many, many ways. And finally, the seventh wave will be about uh, imagination. It's uh, about the equivalent of the prefrontal cortex. This is what I call the holographic revolution, where augmented reality, mixed reality will help us to co-create on a global scale and to develop one kind of language. And basically, if you look at those waves, um, each wave is basically a need from the hierarchy of Maslow's uh, pyramid. So the basic need is about survival. And then comes the, the second need is about security. So our vascular systems, our logistics, etc. The third wave about connection. So this is about your nervous system. The fourth wave is about automation and emotion. And this is basically the, the reptile brain to automate all the internal processes. Um, the fifth wave is about social. So connecting with other people, exchange insights and information and knowledge. And the sixth wave is about artistry. Uh, it's about aesthetics, beauty, order, symmetry. And this is exactly what we are currently seeing, uh, what's happening, um, I think, also with this crisis, what, which we're in right now, we see that many balances will be restored. And finally, the seventh wave is all about purpose, it's um, self-actualization. And if all these layers, all these needs uh, from the Maslow pyramid are automated, then we are pushed towards the top of this pyramid, which is all about purpose. And that's why I think that in the near future, in the next five to 10 years, there will be a massive push towards purpose. So today, I think it's a luxury to work on your self-actualization. Uh, but I think when many, many jobs will be automated, and they will very soon, this will be uh, something which is not a luxury anymore, but uh, a necessity for many people. So, and this is, this is all happening in front of our eyes. It's happened for the last 15,000 years in technology perspective and in the last 1 billion years on a biological perspective. And it's moving forward really fast right now. So that's basically a summary in a nutshell where the waves are about. And these waves are repeating themselves on every fundamental level of our society. So uh, organizations are built from organisms. Organisms are built from cells. Cells are built from molecules. Molecules are built from uh, atoms. Atoms are built from subatomic particles. And subatomic particles are built from waves. And within Within each of these stages, these seven waves repeat themselves. So this gave me a matrix, uh, a body of knowledge and pattern, which is very reliable. And this helps me to predict where technology is going. And this is where I do uh, 
yeah, keynotes about to help people to really understand where they are right now, what is their place in in this um, this uh, yeah development, this pattern, and how can we contribute to this pattern and align, realign with this pattern. Mm. Christian, as a as somebody who literally, as I've somebody's told me before that I read books like they eat cookies. Um, <laughs> I find <laughs> I find your thinking and your mind and what you've given us to be so incredibly alluring. And listeners, highly, highly, highly recommend you pick up his book, Humanification. The concepts that you lay out there, Christian, are so provocative and yet at the same time easy to understand and situate. So on that note, let's grab our first break and we'll talk more about what what where we are today and what the future looks like after we come back. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've on the air with Christian Crom. He's an international thought leader, inspiring keynote speaker, TEDx speaker, futurist, and team human. He is the author of the book called Humanification, Go Digital, Stay Human. He joins us today from the Netherlands. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Christian Crom, who wants us to imagine a future where people are center of everything, driven by purposeful ecosystems, our healthcare system keeps us healthy, children are educated to listen to with their heart and deeply connected to each other, where learning and working has an entirely new meaning. He's the author of Humanification, Go Digital, Stay Human. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So Christian, one of the things you said in our conversations and in your book that I think is terribly compelling and important for our listeners to understand is, if I have this right, and you correct me, you said that technology, you, you believe, is currently situated at about wave six, yet our economy, governments, and companies or business are operating at about level four or five. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have developed a, a mapping tool to see where, where organizations are and where individuals are. Uh, we did a lot of measure, measurements. Um, and what I found out is that especially big banks, uh, big corporates, uh, especially the larger organizations, um, are situated on level four and five. And this is basically um, uh, like the, the reptile brain. Um, they see something as food, uh, as uh, they can eat it or they will be eaten by it. So if things are um, uh, new for them, they think it's dangerous. So change, new technologies are dangerous for these organizations. They see it as a threat. And that's why they they are moving in some kind of lock, lock-in and they are. it's very difficult to get out of that. And it's basically about mindset because if people start to embrace technology and start to use technology for the good, then they will be able to transform their organizations within years. But now in this mode, it will take uh, decades and I don't think they have that time. So I hope, I really hope that many organizations will be able to create an emotional and psychological safe environment for people so they can bring their whole being to their job, to their work. And if they do that, then we will be able to transcend that level four or five and, and go into those higher growth needs where we need to be to, uh, to in order to survive the next five or 10 years. So I think if I understood your book, and, and one way to get there, or at least a step along the journey to get there, is you talk about the future is in sharing ideas, collaborating with other people, and seeing opportunities by connecting with others. That's part of it, yes? Yeah, absolutely. If you look, for example, at the human body or any biological organism, these organisms are healthy as long as all the uh, cells within the organism are working together in a coherent way and share information in real time. So I really think that we can only trans transcend or transform into the next stage of evolution if we start to collaborate on a massive scale. And this is basically what technology is 
helping us to do. So it's uniting humanity if we use it for good and it's helping to empower people. And But it all depends um, who is behind the buttons of, of those technologies because if you look at Facebook and, and big social media platforms today, they are not uniting people, they are dividing people and they're not empowering people but they are enslaving people to go to the timeline as much as possible. So I think we need to go to a new... Um, financial incentive where there are not a few people who own these big companies and have incentives which are all about profit but we i think we need to move towards a new organizational structure where the users of these platforms are also the owners and if you do that then we will see a massive change in how technology will help us to unite and to empower and only if we can do that if we move to that phase then um, we will be able to collaborate on a massive scale. And, and I think technology, especially in the seventh wave, where we will have holographic technology, so you can have a conversation with someone in China or in Australia, and it feels if he is or she is in the same room. And as we know today in this, in this COVID crisis, um, when you have a Zoom call, it doesn't feel human at all. It's, um, it, it, doesn't, it feels unnatural. And I think when technology closes this gap, uh, we can make our conversations in a digital world more natural. Um, then we will um, shift our society towards a global collaborative uh, community. And I think this is where humanity is going. Uh, just like the cells in our body um, are all collaborating in one big body, in one big organism, I think that humans and technology are merging into one big organism as well, which is called humanity. And I think in the next five or 10 years, humanity will wake up and they will see a um, massive amount of people collaborating together. Um, and I think in that way, we will see new power structures come to life. And um, I think that's a very um, positive thing to look out. Yeah, I do too. I, I find that very, very inspiring and alluring in the way you describe it, especially. And, and as we go along in the conversation, I want to give our listeners more hope to the possibility of embracing technology because as you and I both know, a lot of people are afraid of technology and just what it what it can bring. Um, and so to, to illuminate a little bit more deeply what you just said there, because our listeners are you know behind way behind you and certainly behind this conversation, you, you said in the book you talk about the the, the, the virtual neocortex and, and the idea of, you know, the 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 old expression of you know, the head in the clouds. Will you say more about that concept and illuminate that more for us as to really what does that mean for us between technology and us as human beings? You, were, you said it before, but take it back one more level. Yeah, basically what you see happening right now is that we have uh, or start to have artificial intelligence in the cloud. And basically what this artificial intelligence is able to do is to combine the intelligence of, of 10 or 20 billion people in the future. So we will have one big hive mind-like brain, and we can start to, uh, to make decisions as a collective. And today, most of the decisions are made by people in the government or CEOs of, or uh, executives uh, in large organizations, and they have a limited amount of intelligence. But uh, if you start to combine this intelligence in um, tools like artificial intelligence, then we can make, yeah, we can start to make much wiser decisions, uh, which are much more long-term. And I think this will completely change the fabric of our society. But we are still on the, on the, on the downside of it um, because um, AI is mostly used against us to make profiles and to sell us advertorials and, and um, advertisements. But I think if we start to use it within our ecosystems, it will help us to, to empower individuals and to connect individuals. And if we are able to do that, then we will have, I think, some kind of global brain starts to emerge um, on the web, which is a combination of, of all the thinking and all the wisdom of, of all the individual people uh, which are um, working together in these brains. And this is what technology basically uh, is offering us. It's offering us a new kind of brain on a much higher level and a brain that helps us to collaborate uh, seamlessly like the cells in our body. Uh, you can compare it with the new cortex in your, in your, uh, your, yeah, your, in the human body, for example. This brain coordinates everything, but it's um, based on uh, equality. So all the cells are the same and uh, based on complete transparency and, and trust. Uh, we are not yet there with our society, but I, I'm really convinced that we are moving that way uh, really fast. I find, you know, as a, I, I like to call myself a, not, not necessarily an eternal optimist, but certainly a, a, a realist-based optimist who, who always looks for the best in things and people. And so I'm very, I'm very allured by that. 
um, I also want to talk a little bit more about what you just, I think one of the most basic premise in your book that I find very compelling and useful is that you talk about how we can learn from nature to solve our biggest problems. And you mentioned a few of them in the book, um, but I think it would be very useful for, for our listeners, just as you did for me, Kristen, as I look to iterate my business going forward, looking to see how you've laid out these waves and how things progress. Will you apply your idea of how we can learn from nature and say either if you want to talk about energy, if you want to talk about healthcare, how can we apply what you've learned from, from nature in those spheres? Yeah, I think we can learn so much from nature simply by looking at uh, how cells, cell communities are solving problems. How do they generate energy? How do they distribute energy? How do they uh, collaborate with each other? I think uh, we are always looking outside of us uh, for solutions, but I think most of the solutions are inside of us, literally. Um, and I think with, with new technologies like artificial intelligence, we will be able to uh, observe those cells and uh, perhaps start to speak the language of those cells so we can co uh, connect with these cells and, and perhaps talk with these cells and uh, learn from them. Not in the sense that we can have a conversation with them, but if we understand the patterns, uh, how these cells uh, collaborate and how they exchange information. If we can observe that with AI, um, which is able to, to measure very subtle um, patterns, um, then we can learn from that. And I think... Um, Nature is so efficient in, in organizing things. Uh, if you look at organisms, they are, they are sustainable, they are circular, um, uh, all these things which uh, our society is not. And if we start to look more at how nature solves these complex problems, um, I think then we can rearrange or change our, or transform our society in a more natural way. Um, so I think, therefore, nature has already solved all the problems that we, we still have ahead of us. Um, and by simply looking at nature and having the right tools like AI, for example, we can research nature much more efficiently and learn from it much faster. And I think this in the end will save humanity from um, from disaster, because if we go uh, forward in this direction, that's uh, a one way uh, road <laughs> with uh, ending in uh, in disaster. So, yeah, I, I, I'm very positive about the opportunities with new technologies to look into the human body to look in the complexity of nature and the more advanced technology becomes the more we can decode how 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 biology works and as i said before biology had millions of years to solve all these problems and we only have to do is is to copy those solutions and and use them ourselves and basically what i'm talking about is realigning with nature and um yeah that, that's basically what it's all about and i think technology enables us to do that so one of the things that you said, I think, in both your keynote and certainly in your book, and I think it's really important we talk about this, Christian, because it is the elephant in the room, and that is this this fear that a lot of people have about artificial intelligence. And, and what if artif these artificial intelligence, intelligences that you've been talking about combine so that – and they actually determine that people aren't actually useful and they decide to get rid of us? You have you actually position that you don't think that you say that nature shows us that 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 needn't be so. Help us understand why you you take the position that you do that this isn't going to be a problem. I think you can say it very simple. If your brains, the AI in the cloud, say, okay, these cells we in the body we don't need it, <laughs> then there's no life possible. So I think it's it's um it's a symbiosis between those cells and that brain working together as one big organism. And I can I think that we can see artificial intelligence in the cloud in the same way. Artificial intelligence is processing the output of human beings. And it's, it's like a collaboration. One cannot exist without the other. So I think in the future, um, AI will be our savior. It will help us to survive. Um, but there's one uh, but because... Um, in the beginning of new technologies, you always see that technology is used by uh, by the ego, uh, by powerful systems to control and to manipulate people in weapons and all these things. And we see it today as well in within big uh, uh, social media platforms. And later on, when technology is distributed and it's used by the ecosystem, then it's used for good. And I think uh, if you look, for example, as the first cruise missiles with GPS sensors were, were weapons, but today these GPS sensors are in our smartphones, in our cars, helping us to navigate. So that's what I mean. In the first, it's used by, by power and money, by the ego, and later it's used by ecosystems. And I think with AI, uh, it's the same. It will be misused by organizations. Uh, you see that, for example, what's happening right now in China with mass surveillance and it's... Um, 
facial recognition and social crediting system. And I don't hope that we are going in the same direction in the US and, and Europe, but um, we could be. But I think that's that's the side effect of, of having powerful technology. With, with great power comes great responsibility. And if the people behind the buttons, uh, behind uh, the buttons of those powerful technology are have are not having the right intentions, then this technology uh, is used for bad. And I think um, this is what we are currently seeing and we will see more of it. Autonomous weapons, all these things will, will come. Um, but I think eventually I'm very optimistic about the self-correcting effect of the of the masses, of the rest of the cells. And I think in the end, uh, just like cloning human beings, we won't allow it and it will be suppressed and we will use it for the good. So um, we will see some some uh, nasty things with AI, but it will be temporary, I think. On the long term, it will help us. Beautifully said, Christian, very beautifully said. And I think it would help our listeners tremendously, as you did for me in your book, by talking about how we went through these evolutions as a human being. So you said, for example, we existed for the longest time with our reptilian brain. And then then along came the limbic brain and et cetera. So walk us through how those new, tech, if you will, human slash technological evolutions didn't actually do us in. Um, well, if, if you look at uh, each biological upgrade uh, created basically a different kind of consciousness. And these different kind of consciousness um, helps us to um, basically um, manage the world that we were in. And this is happening today as well, but now on a massive scale, a bit bigger scale. Um, to give you, for example, um, organisms with a reptile brain were very executive. They are good at hunting and very simple tasks. Uh, organisms with um, a limbic brain were also having emotional capabilities. So they were able to connect with other organisms, learn from other organisms as well. Uh, organisms with a neocortex brain were able to, were we able to um, uh, become self-conscious. So they were we able to become aware of their own being. And finally, organisms with a prefrontal cortex, human beings, homo sapiens, uh, became social empathic. And I believe that we are currently moving to the same stages and that we are now entered the sixth stage, which is about AI in the cloud. And this will result in organizations which uh, will be self-conscious. So they will have so much sensors and so much uh, processing power that they will be able to become self-aware. And eventually, I think that we will have organizations that become social empathic. So these will be the characteristics, how they interact with the outside world. And if you can choose as a human being between two organizations and the one has reptilian-like characteristics and the other one has social empathic, then I think the choice is very easily. And uh, people massively choose for organizations which are more human, more social empathic. And I think this will create a massive shift in, in the way that we interact with organizations. And organizations that are more human in their communication with, with our customers, those are the ones who um, will grow exponentially fast. And I think much faster than the Googles and the Facebooks uh, that we have seen today. Um, so, yeah, I think that this, these characteristics which appeared and emerged in these biological waves also emerge in uh, technological waves today. And, um, yeah, therefore, I'm very hopeful that in, in the end we will have organizations that are social empathic. But unfortunately, most of the organizations right now are still in the um, yeah, reptile brain uh, mindset. And that's they are very aggressive and defensive towards all kinds of new things and towards uh, competitors. But once we moved uh, to the tipping point towards those growth needs in the muscle pyramid, then we will see a different kind of behavior. And I think this will um, result in a massive change in our society, the way we interact with each other, the way we do business, the way we collaborate on a massive scale. Absolutely. And that's a future I want to be part of. Thank you for, for saying that so beautifully in a way that I think all of us can get our heads, hearts, and souls around. And on that note, let's take our last break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We were on the air with Christian Crom. He's an international thought leader, inspiring keynote speaker, TEDx speaker, futurist, and team human. He's the author of the book called Humanification, Go Digital, Stay Human. He joins us today from the Netherlands. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now... Back to working on purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Christian Crom, who wants us to imagine a future where people are center of everything, driven by purposeful ecosystems, where healthcare systems keep us healthy, children are educated to listen to their heart and deeply connected to each other, where learning and working has an entirely new meaning. He's the author of Humanification, Go Digital, Stay Human. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So, Kristen, I must confess, if I could snuggle up in that mind of yours, I would absolutely do that. I so appreciate the way that you have thought about this, where in the beautiful way you were inspired to pursue this problem, to be able to make sure your your daughter has a has a you know, had a viable life and is now thriving. So, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. You're welcome. So, let's for this last last segment here, I want to showcase what you were talking about earlier that you do talk about beautifully in your book and it, again it, it maps over to nature so well and gives us access to it. But you talk about this idea of swarm intelligence and this idea of sharing creativity and decision making and that whole idea of sharing thoughts and feelings in real time in a bigger more connected way it so to me that's like a big database of emotional intelligence or more will you say more about what you mean and give us access to that yeah basically it's it's much more what i think is that uh, it's already beginning right now that um in the last 10 20 years we have interacted with the internet on a massive scale we have searched for things we have bought and purchased things um all this data say something about who you are how you make decisions and all these things and what you see right now is that google and facebook are already exploiting those data making profiles that we, so they can predict your behavior and they can make offerings to you which you are very likely to uh, to go into um and i think this is con- at this moment this data is exploited by big tech companies but what if you are owning this data yourself and you could put AI on top of it and all the decisions that you made in the last 10, 20 years and every interaction that you make with the digital world is recorded. And if you put AI on top of that, they basically can reproduce a virtual version of yourself, not in a way that it's a virtual avatar or a 3D person, but I really mean your behavior, your decision-making capabilities. And if you are developing a virtual version of yourself, then this version uh, has the same kind of knowledge as you are. Um, It can make the same kind of decisions. It purchases the same kind of products. And you will be like the the master and this virtual um, version of you is the slave. But it can represent you online. It can attend meetings for you if you're not interested to be at that meeting, but people need to ask you things. So basically you train a virtual version of yourself which can represent you in the virtual world. Um, And the funny thing about this is you can be at multiple places at the same time. So you can attend 10 or 100 meetings, or you can give a lecture on 100 or 200 different locations worldwide in the virtual world. Um, So with with this kind of virtual identity, which is intelligent and which can make its own decisions, uh, completely new business models appear. So you can earn money on 100 places while you're sleeping because your virtual um, version is, is doing the job for you. And I think this is already happening. And I think in the next five or 10 years, we will see more of this. But basically, these virtual versions of yourself, uh, for example, can vote uh, a million times a day about your uh, political opinion or what a company should do. And basically, I think everyone will have a virtual version uh, of itself, a virtual twin. And these virtual twins are uh, connected to massive decision-making systems. So if you look at democracy, for example, if all these virtual representations of the real people in the virtual world uh, can vote 
uh, on any question they, they that is asked to them. So you can start to make real-time decisions as a group. And I think this is the hive mind idea that um, when we are living in this non-virtual world, in a real world, our virtual version of us can do things in the virtual world. And it, if it doesn't, if it isn't sure about something, it can ask you for a commission or, or um, uh, if you agree with that. And by doing so, this this virtual version of you is learning all the time. So every time it doesn't know something exactly, it will ask you for confirmation and then it learns and in the next time it can answer that question as well. So I think this is what's going to happen in the next few years and it only will happen if these um, the big tech companies like Google and Facebook don't own your data anymore, but when you start to own that data yourself. And we already see many developments in this direction with blockchain technology, uh, AI in a blockchain. So this is basically a distributed version of, of what we're currently seeing at Google and Facebook. Facebook. And when this happens, I think, um, yeah, it will unleash magic because we can work at warp speed um, with each other and uh, we can make decisions much faster. We can co-create on a massive scale, even when you're sleeping at night and uh, you can share your insights and all your knowledge and know-how with many people and they can pay you a little bit for that. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to have a digital double and um, it, will, it will make my life uh, definitely a much more easier and more fun because because when this digital double is taking care of all the boring stuff online uh, that you're not interested in you can really start to focus on what really matters and that's i think your purpose and uh, the reason why you're here so i'm really looking forward to this uh, this yeah technology which is being developed right now already so i want to make sure that our listeners are tracking with what you just said there christian because you and i've had a conversation or two about it and of course i read your book and and i've, I've watched and listened to your one of your keynotes that essentially what you're really presencing for us is that contrary to what so many people might imagine, that technology has the ability to set us free as individuals, as human beings. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think technology will automate more and more of our basic needs. And at a certain time, we are released from our boring tasks and boring skills that we have to do uh, because technology is taking care of all of that and um, for example if you have an autonomous car which is driving for you you can start to meditate or you can read a book or you can watch a movie and educate yourself and this is happening in every area and people are many many people are asking me okay are we not going to be dumber because technology is doing all the thinking for us i don't think so i think when technology is doing the boring stuff we start to focus on things that really matter um creating music creating creative content and all these things and if you do so a much bigger part of your brain is is used uh when you're aligned with your purpose so yeah that's basically what's happening it sets us free it helps us to focus on what really matters and that's happening already in this couple of few years ahead of us but it will definitely happen in the next five ten years before well before i met you christian several years ago i i had a very similar sort of thought about technology and that it, it it would basically what i would what i said then is it would kick us upstairs and what i mean by that and why i was also gravitating to your book is i do know maslow's work very well and so when i did my meaning in work research what i discovered is that when people experience their work at the higher levels of maslow's hierarchy no surprise they found their work much more meaningful and that work generally mapped over to become more important for their overall sense of identity and their purpose. So what I discovered, for example, I remember just being in the airport and watching, I realized that the, the bin process when you went through security had been automated. So what used to be a person literally moving bins back and forth for us to put our stuff into had been taken over by a machine. And my first thought was, good. I don't want that person doing that kind of work. I want him or her engaging with travelers about where they're going, helping them solve their problems. And so presencing for our listeners really the possibility of how we can become the best possible version of ourselves because of technology enabling us is really what, I'm, what I want to make sure our listeners hear from us. Yeah, this is definitely happening. We are pushed towards our purpose, if we like it or not. So it's, uh, and for many people, it will be a very hard experience to look in that mirror and to, um, I think because many people identify themselves with their jobs, with their skills, but what happens when those skills are automated, if the job is automated, then that identification is gone and you start to, yeah, you have to re-identify who you really are. So I think that is, um, I think we will see a spiritual revolution almost, that people start to make the inner journey, start to ask themselves the questions, who am I, what I really like to do here, and what is my purpose here on earth? And I think that's a very positive thing to look, uh, to look forward to. 
Well, and that's sort of the camp that I'm in, Kristen, right? So no surprise that you and I have, if we will, collided with each other. Uh, That's exactly where I'm going, certainly in my work and what I'm doing to facilitate this opportunity and experience inside organizations and as a work experience is to really elevate it to much more, not just human level, but a spiritual emotional spiritual level so i'm i'm definitely working to advance that as well as we work to continue to evolve the technology alongside um all right so by this point if our listeners aren't convinced that they need more of you i don't know what it would take for them to be convinced of that but i think it's useful at this point to introduce this idea that you haven't that you mentioned in your book about the humanification institute and i read it as it's a hub for solving real world problems and business challenges in practical ways Tell us about this institute and how people can be involved. Yeah, basically, it's a group of people which is expanding really rapidly. And we are developing all kinds of tools which are helping people to make that personal journey. Um, After my keynote, many people have questions. Uh, It's an eye-opener. People see how the world really operates. And they start to see that perhaps the job they are currently doing is not their purpose. And they start to, yeah, start to um, go on their own quest to find that purpose. So basically in the Institute, we develop a a set of tools. Uh, For example, we have developed a conscious mapping technology, which maps the consciousness on a me, we, world and IT perspective in four quadrants. So people are asked multiple questions and they go through these questions and we can map where your mindset is, on which wave you are surfing on a collective level, your organization, but also on an individual level. And these tools help people um, to uh, to make the next step because um, if people see they they need change or they need to change their 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 life, but they don't know where to start. And these tools help people to uh, start at the right level and make progress and, and start it in a journey. And basically the Institute is basically a hub for all these kind of uh, small think tanks, small organizations that can uh, provide services. Uh, it's like an app store, all kind of services that help people to start that inner journey, to start that uh, journey towards their purpose. Um, and it's all about personal development. And I really think that in the next two wave, uh, wave six and wave seven, it will be all about personal uh, development. It's the top of the pyramid of Maslow. And this is where the biggest uh, companies will exist in the future. They will be much bigger than the Googles and the Facebooks of today. And it will all about education, but education in a new way. So educate yourself, grow as a person, and um, start to align more and more with who you truly are. And it's basically chasing your, your passion. And this is what we want to facilitate in this institute. So it's an organization, it's a platform, and more and more people start to connect. And um, yeah, it's a really fun place to uh, to be and to share insights and thoughts with other people, like-minded people. Is this a matter, like, is this a membership or how do people get access to this, Christian, for our listeners? Basically, today it's a small amount of, of startups which I'm participating in investing in. Uh, but we are looking forward to create a movement and an online platform where people can join after seeing my movie or after seeing the keynote and they want to do more, want to know more. That's the, and this should be the place where they um, can can get that information and stuff. Um, so it's it's um, we are currently creating it. It's um, still small. But we want to create an online platform which is able to grow exponentially fast and and facilitate more and more people. I'm in and and I'm on a similar quest as well, interestingly enough. So I don't have quite the resources that you do, but it's a very similar sort of journey that I'm on as well. You've already teased it for us, Christian, and you know I've talked about it. But tell us about this movie you're making. (laughs) <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, yeah, this movie. Uh, basically, yeah, like like um, many other people, I think in this in this COVID crisis, you start to ask yourself, okay, what is really important to me when I cannot travel, when I cannot do my keynotes <laughs> all over the world? And on the shelf was a project for two or three years now, and it was my movie project. One of my first companies was about creating uh, commercials and 3D effects and special animations for companies. So this is basically what I'm really good at. So making complex things simple and visualize them in a way that everyone everyone can understand this. So my real dream is to create a movie that impacts at least one billion people on a global scale, because. I truly think that if one people, people, one billion people start to align with their purpose, we will have a critical mass, and this critical mass will infect the other nine or ten billion people on Earth. So we start to make a big transition. And this movie is basically about the seven waves, which are repeating themselves on every level of our universe, so that people create a more holistic view. Uh, of our organizations, of, of biology, of, of everything in our universe, basically, and also show them the, the tools 
um, and, and a roadmap, basically, how we can create a more sustainable and, and peaceful future, uh, which is fully aligned with nature, fully sustainable, fully circular. And this is basically what the movie is about. And we are currently in the uh, conceptual stages. So we have developed a teaser. Uh, we are in the funding uh, stage uh, to find funding for the movie. But basically, um, movie is perhaps the wrong label. We want to create an experience. And I, the best thing I can refer to it is when an astronaut is in space and he looks uh, out of the porthole towards the Earth. Many of these astronauts have a very deep spiritual experience that cannot be unfelt. Um, it's, it's like they completely change in a matter of seconds. And basically, with the use of smart technologies and uh, acoustic vibrations and colors and, and frequencies, we want to create a similar kind of experience so that people basically see the world in a completely holistic, different way and that they cannot undo that feeling. And that this is the opening or the, the seed, as you will, to start that, that inner journey. And yeah, basically, we're currently in the creative process. So we are developing a, a minimal viable product uh, to see if we can create a similar experience here on Earth using smart technologies. But it's a, it's a project we just started uh, two years, <laughs> two months ago, um, in the beginning of the COVID crisis. But it's now uh, spinning up really fast. And um, we're now setting up a non-for-profit in the US and we are looking for, for serious funding. And yeah, we are looking forward to create uh, our first products. And uh, it's a really exciting project. It's never been done. Uh, but I really think that this will impact people on a, on a, on a mind level but also on a cellular level. So if you have had this experience, you walk out differently as a different person. And you're not there yet. You have to learn a lot. You have to try a lot of new things, but it opens um, a gateway to, to personal development. And it's basically what we are working on today. Oh my gosh, Christian, I am so in. That is so alluring. It, it, it really moved me to tears listening to you talk about that because it's so elevating. And here we are out of time. In say 30 seconds or less, Christian, what, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Uh, I think, yeah, change starts with yourself. So I think the most important thing is technology won't give us the answer. Only an answer. The only answers are inside of us. So start looking for those answers. Start to align with who you truly are, why you're here, and how you can contribute to our society. I think that's the most important thing that uh, I can leave people with. Brilliant, Kristen. I'm so grateful that you crossed my path. Thank you for joining us today and sharing your heart and soul and intelligence. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Listeners, if you want to learn more about Christian, his book, the movie, the experience that he's out to create, or if you want to help bring that to being by investing or, or sharing your thoughts or helping in some way, go to his website to start. You can go to christiancrom.com. So it's Christian, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, last name is Crom, K-R-O-M-M-E, so christiancrom.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Patrick David Bett, the CEO and co-founder of PHP Agency, which is a national financial services company. And he's also the author of Your Next Five Moves, Think Clearer, Solve Faster, Scale Bigger, and Achieve Your Vision as an Entrepreneur. We talked about how this dynamic immigrant businessman has achieved the success he has and how his book can help you do the same. Next week, we'll be on the air with Gabrielle and Brian Bosch of The Purpose Company, talking about some of the key approaches they take to help people discover and live their purpose. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.